all about the message about the comment of course dialed today's daf discusses how shlichus works by momen if the shliach was set up with adim does that mean that he's mamish like the person who lent the money he discusses how one can immediately return the money that he borrowed and that he would be potter for anything that happens along the way back to the lender. And then we discuss whether Choymesh is actual mammon or not. Now before, we had left off discussing who was the town of a mission who holds that you have to travel all the way to wherever you stole from to return. Hashavas Gezela. Is there Akiva who says that when you borrow from, when you steal about buy from five people you have to return to each one of them or is there Bitarfan who says you could just drop it off in the middle and let them figure out who it was stolen from so we had suggested Rabbi Akiva Boyishlag it up so now we suggest that it was Rabbi Tarfan and Rabbi Tarfan says that you can just drop it off you don't have to go through such a tirchah, but he agrees with our mission that they have to travel to return the gazela in a case where you swore. The guy swears falsely that he doesn't have this gazela, that he didn't steal it. Why would he say that this is different, that you have to go so far out of your way? Because the Pesach says, he makes this guy pay everybody back. He gives him a knas, even if he didn't swear falsely. Now, according to Rabbi, Rabbi Tarfan, let's see. When the guy didn't swear, he just stole. So he doesn't make him a schlep all the way to return it. He didn't admit that he had stolen it. But why should it make a difference, according to Rabbi Tarfan, whether he swore or not? Even if he didn't swear, Rabbi Tarfan should be giving him this class. We see this in a Braissa. Rabbi Tarfan admits, he agrees, that if someone were to tell two people, I stole from one of you guys, but I don't know which one. He had, Rabbi Tarfan here says he has to pay both of them back. It's only when he doesn't know who he bought it from that we don't give him a knas. Since he admitted to, to these two guys that he had stolen from them, even without a shvua, Rabbi Tarfan is mechaiv paying back both. So how's Rabbi Tarfan and Mishnah? So Rava gives our third and final explanation. Who's the town of our Mishnah? He says it could be Rabbi Tarfan, but our Mishnah is different. Why? Since this guy knows exactly who he stole from, and he admitted to that, since he has the ability to return it to him, so we make him slip all the way across the globe and return it. Or rather, the opposite. Now that he knows who he's supposed to return it to, it's as if that guy who he stole from is appointing this Gazlan as his shaymer. You hold on to my thing until I come to you. So if he swears... He's ruining that trust. He just lied about stealing. So now you have to go and return it. But if he didn't swear, then Rabbi Tarvin says, you could just hold on to it until the guy who you stole from comes and picks it up. It's only when he doesn't know who he stole from that Rabbi Tarvin says he has to pay back both. There, there's no sense of shmira. Now back in our mission, we said that he, the Gazlin can't return the item and the money to the, the Nigzal's son or Ashliach. He has to return it to the guy who he stole from. So now the Gemara says, if the guy who got it stolen, the Nigzal, he appoints a Ashliach in front of Adim to collect the money which was stolen from him. So if Chista says that works, and the second that the Gazlan hands it over to the Shliach, he's Potter, he did his job. But Rabbi says, no, still not a Shliach. Why does Rabbi Chista say that it is a good Shliachaz? 
because since the, the Nigzal went through all the Tircha of having Edim be there and appointing a Shliach, clearly he wants this Shliach to be like his hand, to make it be his Rishos. But Rabbah says he's not a Shliach. Why? Because over here, all the Nigzal is saying is that I'm sending you someone who is a reliable person. If you want to give it to him to deliver it to me, go for it. But it doesn't mean that it's in my Rishos before I actually get it. And the Gemara brings a Mishnah that talks about a similar case, but with, with now the Gazlin, but with a Shoyal. Someone borrows a cow. And now he, he, a Shliach arrives at his door to bring it back to the guy who he borrowed it from. Or the guy's son is here to collect it, or the guy's Eved, something like that, but not the person who he borrowed it from himself. Now, Shaila is, if on the way back home this thing dies, is the Shail going to be Chayef or Potter? He gave it back, but he didn't give it back to the original owner. So the Mishnah says that he's Potter. He gave it back to the Shliach. Now, what type of Shliach are we talking about? It can't be that the Shliach didn't have Edim, otherwise we wouldn't know about it. It must be that this guy, this Shliach, showed up at his door with Edim, and we say that it's still Potter, it's a good Shliach, which is a Kasha on Rev Chista. The case over here was where the guy was delivering the thing which he was going to borrow. When the Shliach already started the journey, according to Rav Chista, it should already be in the hands of the Shliach. So why is he Potter if it died? It's already Biyad Shliach, which means it's already Biyad Shoyel, the guy who's borrowing it. It's perfectly good Shliach. It's like it's, it, it, the transfer was already done. He should be Chayev. So the Gemara explains, like Rav Chista answers, that the guy who was delivering it wasn't an actual Shliach. You're right. According to Rav Chista, a Shliach would work. It's just that this guy was one of his workers, or someone who he entrusts, but not an official Shliach with that power of attorney. So we have another Mishnah. This Mishnah says, in fact, this is our Mishnah, and this is how it all ties in. You're not allowed to return the thing which you stole to the owner's son or his shliach. Now, what's the shliach talking about? Again, it has to be where you there were Edom appointed on this, otherwise we wouldn't know about it. And we see that this shliach is not good enough. You have to return it to the owner itself. Kasha on Rav Chista. over here. Well, again, say, we're talking about Someone who works for him, not an official shliach, but an actual shliach. In front of Edom? Yeah, that would work. Uh, then why didn't we write that in with the Seifa? We could say that uh, that it only doesn't work with the Shliach. But if the Shliach was made with Edom, then it would work. So the Gemara explains why we left it out. When Bezdin sends the Shliach, we say that it works. That's because Bezdin works on either end. If Bezdin appoints a Shliach for the Nigzal or the Gazlin to deliver it, that works either way. But when the guy himself, the, the Nigzal himself appoints it, that's an, only a one-way appointment. The, the Gazlin can't appoint a Shliach to deliver it. Not an official Shliach. And the Mishnah wanted a list of Shlichos that works in both directions. The truth is, this doesn't fit with the sheet of Reb Shimon Menelazar. Reb Shimon holds that a Shliach Bezdin that only the Nigzal made, not the Gazlin, or the Gazlin made it, but it actually arrived, then it would be Potter. Once it actually reaches home, but you see, Shimon Menelazar says that it's only if the Nigzal made the Shliach and not the Gazlin, not both directions. Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Lazar, they both say that a Shliach 
who is appointed with Edom works. It's a perfectly valid shliach. Uh, our Mishnah sounds like it's only when the shliach had Edom with the shliach. He was an officially appointed shliach. So they learned that it's talking about where he didn't officially appoint the shliach. He's, he, he's had someone who was going to the neighborhood where someone owed him money. And he said, you should know this uncle owes me money. Maybe if he sees you, he'll uh, use you to deliver me back the money. But he wasn't officially instated as such. Alternatively, they could answer like of Chista, that, that it wasn't a shliach. It was just a worker of his who was sent to pick it up. Next, review who Marshmallow tells us. That even if the shliach shows up with a uh, the signet ring, or if the Edom signed on it, that's still not enough. Even if the Edom signed that this signet ring appoints the shliach as the lender, it's still not at the lender's wishes until the mamish reaches him. Rabbi Yechanan says that uh, if the Edom actually signed on this signet, it would work. The second he hands it to the shliach, it would be kiyad. Ha. Malve and uh, it would be Potter for, from there on. So Shmuel says, Noose, what are we supposed to do? And is there a way that I can return money from right here, right now, without actually schlepping over to the guy who I owe it to? So we try uh, first Rabbi Abba. He had a thing where he had money that was owed to him by Rabbi Yosef Bar Chama. So he told of Safra. Do me a favor and pick it up for me. By Rabbi Yosef. So he went to Rabbi Yosef. He had this big doilim uh, hacking out the sugya. So before he handed him over the money, he said, one second, did, when he sent the money for him, did he say his kabaldi that he wants you to be appointed as the one to uh, be my yad? He said, no. He says, well, you have to go back and get that. Uh, if he, Otherwise, when I hand it to you, it's not like I handed it to him. But the truth is, he called him back and he said, you know what, even if he says his kabaldi, it's not going to help. Because Rabbi Abba, the lender, was very old, and but could be by the time you come back, he'll have died. So his his kabaldi won't, won't be effective anymore, because I now own the money to his Yarshim, and they didn't say his Gabalti. So he says, no, so what am I supposed to do? How I want to be able to be the one to collect the money for you. So Rebesa says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be coining it to you. I trust you. So now it's your money, and then you go and give this to the person who I owe it to in lieu of my debt. In fact, if Papa once did this, he had 12,000 Zuzim that uh, it was owed to him in Bechuzoi, and he was able to be, he owed this money to Bechuzoi, which is very far away, but he managed to, you know, tran- wire transfer it on the doorstep of his house by being magnet to the shliach. And when the shliach returned, he greeted him uh, very far away. He was incredibly happy with this uh, chap. In the next sugya and Mishnah we had said, there's a difference between owing the karen and the choymesh. You don't have to schlep very far away just to pay off the choymesh of the karen which he stole. But it is mashma though, that there's a half a minute that he would, because it sounds like the choymesh is real mamun. So when the guy shows up, he has to pay in that choymesh or, or pay to his yorshim when they do come in contact. Amish also says that you, you could pay a choymesh on the choymesh if you lied about it. So you see, it's mamish mamun. So let's explore that concept. That choymesh is a, a real mamun. The Brisa tells us, similarly, that... If someone steals from his friend and then the guy dies, so who's he supposed to pay it back to? The Yarshim. He pays to the Yarshim, the Karen, and the Chaimish. He just put it from the carbon Arsham. Ah, why are the kids getting his Chaimish? It's the father's Chaimish. We learned. They pay a Chaimish for lying to this person. But how do I know that the son doesn't 
get paid for the father's shvur. The pasuk says, "Asher gozav v'asher oshak." The son whose father stole, his father lied. The son didn't steal. The son didn't lie. So he's not going to have to pay the chaimish. The chaimish is only for the person who did that avera. It's a class on him. So Nachman says, "It's not a kasha." That's where the father admitted that he had stolen, that he had lied. Oh, here he didn't. I, if he didn't admit, and Rashba asked, there were no Edom, then why is he paying the Karen at all? Forget the Chaymish. He did, there's no proof that he, did, that he stole. And you can't say that Itaka doesn't have to pay because if he's paying the Chaymish, he has to pay the Karen as well. And second of all, we have a Braisa that tells us that if a son lies about his father's theft, he has to pay a chaymish, but not if his father lied, because the Pasuk says, And now the Gemara learns from this Pasuk, Yesh Talmud. The Gemara says, one second, what do you mean Yesh Talmud? Rav Huna was learning with uh, Rabbi Beret, and he said, what is this Yesh Talmud? Does, it, does that mean that, like, there's what to learn from here, or Yesh, yesh Talmud? Is it Yesh Talmud that we can learn from here that the father does ha- that, that the son has to pay for the father's shvuah, or is it Yesh which means that the posik isn't telling me that he has to pay? That would just be a svara. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll expand on this tomorrow. Thank you for learning with me. Have a wonderful day.